We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 425. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE, all one word, and get your welcome bonus when you sign up at betonline.ag. You can still do some betting now, even though there's no sports going on. Like I said, man, it's like 1995 with uh, online casinos again. I'm becoming another degenerate like I used to, like when the, uh, you know, when computers were first alive and when the internet first started. When you had the, that was when I knew I was screwed. I was going to lose, I was going to lose a lot of money on, uh, on blackjack and uh, five card stud. And probably stumble your way into some random, way too creepy chat. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. CompuServe was like my go-to for those chats back in back in the day. I definitely remember meeting a girl or, or yeah, setting, right. up, a, setting a up a time. No, no, no. Like in real life, like it was the first time ever that I even thought about going to meet somebody that I talked to in a chat room, and it was from CompuServe, and it was some girl that I met on the boardwalk in uh, at uh, Point Pleasant, New Jersey, at the shore. <laughs> oh man, it was bad. I remember you actually met up with her though. I walked past her and kept walking. Oh, I see. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, there was a meeting-ish. Nice. Yeah. Well, today's show, we teased it at the end of last episode. We're going to be talking about the most rewatchable Yankees games. But 
unfortunately, we had some sad news this morning. Uh, the passing of Hank Steinbrenner came out of nowhere, so we should take a few minutes to to discuss that. Hal's obviously been the uh, the man in charge for the last decade, right? Like it's been it's been a decade since Hal has really been the, the face of ownership of the Yankees. Hank was briefly there, like I want to say late two thousand. Like late 2000s, maybe like 2000s, like right around the last championship is when Hank started to bow out. Yeah, it was. uh, So between 2007, 2008, he was like the public voice of of the Yankees ownership at that point. And and yeah, it didn't. We had a um, we were just looking at some old pictures because we were at an event Rich and I and a, a few other people. You were you, I don't remember. I you was not there. there. No, you weren't there for that day. We had a. It was a golf tournament for um, uh, Hank Steinbrenner's uh, charity. He has a thing called Hank's Yanks. Basically, they raise money for kids to play in tournament uh, tournaments. So he uh, raises money for base, uh, baseball tournaments, and uh, he sponsors a team. So there was a golf tournament for that. There were a bunch of older Yankees there, like Wells and Cohn and all the guys you see, you know, floating around all these events normally. The pretty much the uh, the, the normal Chaz Palmateri was there, uh, Lay Ritz, like all the usual suspects were at this thing, um, and uh, and he was there. And I got the chance to uh, talk with him for a little bit, take a couple pictures, and uh, this was what I think this was 2015 uh, at that point, and um, you know he had at some point. I want to say it was before then. I don't think we were doing a podcast when, when you went there. It wasn't. We weren't doing the podcast. Or we had just started doing the podcast. It was 2000. Uh, hold on. I'm looking at the picture right now. Yeah, we, we started in March July, of 2015. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was July 6, 2000, 2015, actually, at uh, the, the uh, Trump Ferry Point <clears throat> Golf Course in the Bronx. So we were there and uh, met him and... Um, yeah, he just wasn't, you know, in the public eye as much anymore. And, uh, you know, we're finding out more information that he was just, he wasn't well. Uh, I don't know all the details. I'm not going to really comment on someone's health, but he wasn't well. And then obviously this morning, uh, passed away. So very sad for the Steinbrenner family. Obviously our thoughts are with them. Uh, and yeah, it's just one of those things. It's, uh, just kind of hits you and it's very strange. feel like it feels like we're, we're feeling a lot of that lately, but, uh, this is one of them that's close to the Yankees family, obviously or in the Yankees family. Yeah, definitely. And for a while, we thought he was going to be the man in charge. And uh, and then Hal sort of took it. And Hal has even admitted, like, this is not exactly me owning the Yankees. Um, I'm not the the type of personality that my father was. He has said this, but he sort of adapted and learned to to run the team over the last decade. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny because when you think about what George Steinbrenner was, and you have... You know, everybody listening now has, I think, probably a more intimate knowledge of of the boss from listening to the uh, the episodes on him and just more of the his history. But you, he was that outlandish guy. He was the guy that was that was you know loving to be in the public eye, and you kind of saw that in in Hank a little bit. Like he kind of fit that bill, you know, from the beginning of this. You're like, okay, now we got the next one, and he felt like it was going to be very similar in that. You know, he was definitely more outspoken, would kind of like speak off the cuff a little bit more, whereas Hal is definitely more buttoned up and reserved. And it's just a different feeling, I think, than you got from uh, from uh, from their dad, uh, George Steinbrenner. So, yeah, you know, it's just it's a sad thing to hear for sure. Uh, Definitely wish uh, the best to the family. So the episode that we are discussing today is the most rewatchable Yankee game, which means if you could forget the result of one Yankees game in history and go back and watch it and relive those moments like it's the first time you've ever experienced them, what would the game be? We retweeted the article from at Yankees podcast Twitter handle. The Bronx pinstripe staff and I came up with a list of 10. I don't even want to call it like a top 10 list because in my opinion, it's not a top 10 list. I don't agree with some of the picks that they that they chose. But let's start with going through the 10 games that were put up on the website, and then we can go over some others that maybe we think should be on there, some honorable mentions and stuff like that. Sound good? Sounds good. I'm, I'm just look, looking at something as well, uh, just to put a uh, definitive bow on this thing. The uh, Just talking about what Hank Steinbrenner, it was 2008 when Hal took over. So yeah, about 12 years ago. Wow. So, oh, yeah. so George was alive then still. Yeah, we, we, what, 2010 he passed, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was it. So I don't, we don't know how long he was. He's been, you know, not well. Uh, but I think he's been down in Tampa for a while too. So, yeah, um, yeah, unfortunate. You want to talk about some happier times now, please? So the first game on the list, you and I were at 
And to this day, I say it is the craziest sporting event I've ever attended. It is the 2017 wildcard game Twins at Yankees. Pandemonium in the Bronx. Sir Didi Gregorius ties the game in the bottom of the first inning with a three-run home run. The Yankees, you couldn't even take a sip of your beer, and the Yankees were down 3 nothing. It's the first playoff game since the 2015 wildcard game in which they were absolutely lifeless. You knew that game was over the pretty much the minute Dallas Keuchel took the mound. So it was really like since 2012 that we had a playoff drought. And I know the feeling. I don't know if you remember that feeling, that gut punch when Severino walks off the mound and it's 3 nothing, and Chad Green's coming in with the bases loaded. You're like, well, that, that was fun. That was a fun ride, I guess. See you next year. I mean, that's you. You, you, go, you go to the worst places as fast as possible. I'm sitting there like, let's go. We're going to get out of this and make a comeback. <laughs> no, you weren't. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I had probably 15 beers by then. I was ready to go. Not going to end on my watch. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this had everything you, you could possibly think of for a rewatchable game. It's a do-or-die game, so the, the pressure is there. The, the, uh, the stakes are there. It had roller coaster up and down moments. You thought you were dead and out, and then you, you immediately came back with an amazing comeback. Being in the stadium was, was amazing. I wouldn't tra- trade it for, for anything, but I would imagine watching this game on TV was almost as thrilling. Do you remember at some point, it was like 9.45 at night and it was the bottom of the second inning. Yeah, I remember it being very late. And it was just, it's one of those things like the, the stadium too. You could feel it in the stadium. The, you talk about that gut punch. I mean, it, there was a gut punch when Severino couldn't get out of that inning and, and they went down as fast as they did. Um, there was a gut punch. But when, when they got out of the inning, when, when there was that, yeah. that resurgence, like, okay, we limited this damage. This could have been way worse and it's not. We got this. We're just going to lock it down now and figure this thing out because we're going to score runs against the freaking twins. That's what's going to happen. And then blink of an eye, Didi comes back. And, and people wonder like why Didi was such a beloved figure in New York. And I, I, it's sad to talk about that in the past tense, honestly. But this is the reason. You do things in big moments in the postseason and yeah. you're a New York Yankee. Guess what? We're going to love you. We're going to love you forever. I don't care what uniform you're wearing. I'm still going to be a fan of Didi Gregorius because that man did amazing things in the postseason, even if it wasn't moments. I know all the people are talking about, well, you look at the the postseason all around. It wasn't that great of a number. I don't care. <laughs> he hit the home run in 2017 that was damn near our section, like a section over from us, and uh, and just you know set the place on fire. And it was just uh, it was an amazing night. It also had an all-time David Robertson performance. Yes. Like three, three and a third innings. Like, I think he threw over 60 pitches. And he was basically like, Girardi, I'm out here until my arm falls off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, that's not him either. Like, he's not the guy. Not that he's not a, a guy that you can rely on in big moments and will do whatever it takes. Like, he's always been kind of that guy. But he's never really been a guy that, that you get that much length from. Like, when he came back out, we're like, oh, my God. He's coming back out. It was and, like, yeah, but who, who knows what's going on today? Like, fine, David Robertson for a third inning. All right, yeah, I'm with it. Right, exactly. And uh, he was just nails. He was awesome. That, that was so much fun watching that too, just watching the emotion on his face and just how pumped up he was, and he knew that it was such a big moment. And he knew that he had to get length in that day because if he didn't, Yankees were going to be in big trouble at some point if someone didn't give them length that, they, that, that was uh, you know, an unsurpri- a surprising guy to give them length. Yeah, and then I remember once the Yankees kind of took a commanding lead in that game and it was the 6th, 7th, 8th inning. Then the conversation started to happen of, okay, now how does this set up for the ALDS against Cleveland? Like, our pitching is completely fried. Our bullpen is toast right now. So, like, what's going to happen in that in that series? Yeah. So, yeah, very memorable game. Um, <clears throat> the 2017 run had so many fun games in the playoffs. Yeah. For and sure. the, sec- the second one on this list is the 2017 ALCS Game 4. I was also at that game. Astros at Yankees. You know, you know I wasn't at that game. You I know, know you I had to give up my ticket. tickets. You know I had to give up my ticket for that game. You had to say, okay, yes, yes, you were at that game. This, it was a great game. This was a Sunny Gray start. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird game because it started at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I know it's still a playoff game, but it was a weekday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So guess what? The stadium's not going to be full at 5 o'clock on a Tuesday or whatever it was. So it took until like the second inning for everyone to get in there and for it to really feel like a playoff game. And it was a close game the whole way. 
And then the the Yankees fell behind by by uh, four runs, and you're just like, all right, you know, this was fun while it lasted, kind of vibe. And then the ghost showed back up. It really, you could really sense it in the late innings. Ghosts of Yankee Stadium showed back up. Judge hits a bomb to center field, that got him, that got life. And then do you remember that crazy th- uh, uh, eighth inning rally? where Chase Headley hits a ball in the gap and falls flat on his face, yeah. like running to second base. Yes. And I remember I'm, I'm, I'm in the right field corner by the, by, the, by the foul pole on the lower level, and I just see freaking dumb Chase Headley face Your favorite player. On, on his way to second base, and I am mother-effing everybody. And then he gets up and somehow is safe. Hey, look, Chase Headley even showed up. Like, this guy... He was, you know, he felt, it felt like he, was a, like a, he could have been a clutch guy. See, that's, I, I look back at that team, and I'll talk to you about, like, what it's like being in the stadium and being at home for a game like this. Being at the stadium, I'm going all over the place right now. Let me back up. The 2017 wildcard game when I'm in the stadium, you just kind of lose your mind. You can't see all the details of the game when you're, when you're at the game usually. So you just, you're, you're kind of feeling the way the crowd is feeling, and you're just reacting to the moments rather than, like, getting all hung up on every single little thing um and every pitch looks like a strike you know from from where you're sitting where we sit in uh in 205 but when you're on the when you're watching it on tv like the alcs uh game when you were there and i wasn't and i'm watching it i can't watch it with people if i'm at home like i I can't watch it with anybody i i have to stand up i i have like a stool it's it's like it's very (laughs) uncomfortable for just because i can't really I don't want to sit all the way. Do but you like? Le- do you like Captain legs Morgan get tired? It with like one leg on it? Occasionally, like it'll be a resting place. It's not really yeah. like a sitting area, but more of a resting place. Um, because I start pacing well, and then I start getting mad, and it's just a very much, much more of a uh, an emotional roller coaster. And and I'm by myself because I can't talk to people, and I'm trying to be on Twitter at the same time, and that's annoying <laughs> while I'm watching a big game. So I'm like, I'm it just really getting- is annoying. It is annoying. <laughs> It is. So then you're, you're sitting there trying it, it, for a big game. One that you're like, like I like doing it during the regular season, but during yeah. a big game, like I got to concentrate because yeah. it matters. If I don't concentrate, then they won't be able to do well. No. And if you're not concentrating, how is Aaron Judge supposed to That's concentrate? what I'm saying. So I'm sitting there like losing my mind by myself. Um, yeah. I'd r- much rather be at the stadium mm. with, you know, my brothers <clears throat> and sisters and just going nuts. It's much more, it's well, more relaxing there. <laughs> Definitely, wild card game was nuts um, because we were all, we had a group of like fifteen or twenty people there, so we're all having a great time. This game, the ALCS game, it was just me and Leanne, and it was a weeknight, so we're going to work the next day. I think I had maybe two beers at the game, so I was pretty locked in. Obviously, you don't notice everything like you notice on TV, but as far as being at a at a, a game and a playoff game, so it mattered. I was locked into every pitch. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're there. It- it definitely matters who you're there with too. I mean, you're, if you're there with Leanne, you're probably watching the game like a ton and she's into it because it's a playoff game. And she's like, it's probably one of those scenarios. Like I'm trying to think of like Bevan would be in at a playoff game like that. She would be all into it because she feels like she definitely has to be because she knows <laughs> if she starts asking me questions, like we got problems. She asked, I remember she was like, are we leaving? Cause it was four, nothing. And it was the seventh inning. She's like, Ooh. are we going? I'm like, out of your goddamn mind. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, it's a, uh, it definitely depends on who you go to games with, like the way that how much you pay attention to a game. Because if I go with like you or anybody else that has, you know, like a deep knowledge of the Yankees, it's just the constant conversations. Yeah. And just like it's hard to for me, it's hard to stay with every single pitch. The um, it was so loud when Gary Sanchez hit that go ahead double. It was it was so loud, honestly, like buzzing in the ear. Yeah. That's great. That's the way it used to be. Like that place literally would shake. And we got to that point in 2017 where that place was finally shaking again. Like we finally got uh, the new stadium at, at a point, at a tipping point where it would, you could feel it. Mm. And uh, it's a great thing because that place gets so freaking loud, man, when, when everybody's all in and uh, you could definitely feel it then. The next one on the list. Hey, I'm sticking with a trend of games that I was at April 21, 2012, the Yankees at, Fenway Park come back from nine runs down in the sixth inning and win the game. Uh, Freddie Garcia for the Yankees started this game and got pummeled. This was the Bobby Valentine managed Red Sox, by the way. Wow. So they were a garbage team. So, 
you know, the stakes aren't really there, but the nine run comeback, which is very rare, and the fact that it happened in enemy territory at Fenway Park with like Teixeira hits a grand slam, Swisher hits like a three run home run. Uh, There's just like so many big bombs in that game for the Yankees to come back. They scored 15 unanswered runs, I believe. It was wild to be at. I don't know why. Honestly, so I was there with my buddy Chris and then my mom and this dad. This is when you were living in Boston. I was living in Boston, 2012. Yeah. So it was eight years ago. I was, whatever, 24 years old. My mom and dad and my buddy Chris and me were there. My mom and dad left because they're driving back to Rhode Island. It's six. It's nine nothing in the sixth inning, and they're like, we're getting out of here. Chris and I are like, whatever. Like We're just going drinking after this, so we're going to stick around. Yeah. And then I witnessed one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen. That just proves to you right there, you don't ever leave a game. Just right there. That's the reason you don't ever lose, leave a game. Because just in case that does happen, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Um, your parents having that long drive, I could see that. I would be fed up at that point. Your dad was definitely angry. <laughs> Gary, now, that, now that I know your dad uh, a lot more than uh, I did in 2012. Oh, by the way, when we were NYY Universe, I saw yes. on the, uh, the article. <clears throat> yep. So yeah, that was we were NYY Universe before we were Bronx Pinstripes. That's how this whole thing started. And then I got a cease and desist letter from the Yankees saying it was too close to a trademark for the Yankees. This was back in the day when you could not even say the word Yankees on in a podcast description or MLB MBAM would take you off, like remove you from Apple Podcasts. Like that was how strict they were back then. Lovely times back in the day when they were really promoting the game even more. Um, but yeah, this was uh, the looking back. I was kind of reminiscing through the article that, that you and the guys wrote. Um, but I love the fact that it was started off of Vincente Padilla as well. Cause that yeah. guy's an ass <laughs> big ass hat. Yeah, it was great. And I had great, we had great seats at that game too. It was, uh, it was like probably 15 rows behind the third base dugout. So nice prim- prime seats. Cause if you're in a bad spot at Fenway park, it's just, it's just not pretty. Yeah. Stuck behind a pole looking out to center field when you, when the seat like doesn't <laughs> even face home plate or something stupid. Right. I've been there twice. And the last time I was there, I was in right field because that right field, those right field uh, bleachers, man, just keep going back like they're deep. And we were, I don't know, midway, but they're they're pretty. You just keep walking. Like, oh, if you're in the back, line if back. you're in the back of the bleachers in right field, you're a mile away from home plate. You're a mile away from the, the field in right field. Like it's not it's not close. It's not like Yankee Stadium where it goes up. It goes back. Uh, and they're, uh, they're, they're not great seats, but, um, yeah, it was there. And then I was at the, uh, another game a while back, long time ago, uh, when, during the, the big drinking days, when, when, when we were on, uh, I got on the monster and this was because my buddies who lives in Boston, his brother was a Boston cop and had the, the Fenway detail. So they were like kicking people out of the seats and putting us in the seats, got us on the monster. It's pretty crazy. The monster seats suck. They suck, but I just wanted to go up there, and I was lucky enough because they we were, they were playing the Orioles or Cleveland or somebody, and uh, whoever was up hit a ball off the monster while I was up there. So I got to hear the bong. Yeah. That was pretty cool. You just can't see left field when you're on, sitting on the monster. Yeah. I wasn't going that close to the edge, so I wasn't sure. Um, all right. So the next one, September 25th, 2014, Jeter's final home game, Orioles at Yankees. This was an emotional night. I remember it vividly watching on my couch. We all knew it was Jeter's last home game. And it looked like the Yankees were going to cruise to an easy victory. Then David Robertson had other plans and decided, no, no, no. I'm going to let Derek Jeter walk it off in style. I'm going to blow a save. Everyone's going to freak out. And then Jeter's going to walk it off. Uh, One interesting tidbit about this game And it's lucky that uh, Girardi did not pull him in the top of the ninth inning, which he was going to, to give him sort of that standing ovation that Mariano got. Yeah, it was, he did not, you know, I don't know what that little gut will, uh, just making sure that he gets that moment. He must have had a a gut feeling to not not do do it and and gave Jeter the moment that that everybody will now remember because it's ingrained in all of our brains, right? With the, the great Michael Kay call and uh that you love so much the, did the i thing not is, like that one no you hated that one when fantasy becomes reality i thought that was isn't that yeah. when fantasy becomes reality yeah i think so the yeah. 3000 one was uh history with an exclamation right yeah right yeah yes um 
But no, this is a great game, and the fact that Jeter gets that moment, and it wasn't his last game, but it was his last game at Yankee Stadium, and uh, to to end it like he did, you know, go back and listen to our Derek Jeter, the top five moments because we went into this game a lot uh, much deeper as well. But this uh, this was not one of the top five moments though. This we was we a, talked this about was it. Runner honorable up. mention. I think this was runner up. Number, yeah. So this was number six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about it for a little bit though. But the uh, it, it was just it's just such a cool moment, man, and just so perfect for Derek Jeter to go out like like he did at Yankee Stadium. You know, it's just uh, very Jeter esque, man. Just like exactly the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, the game meant nothing, but it had playoff vibes. Right, and that was what's so crazy. That's how you know, like, what a big deal that was for him. For the, how big of a deal he is. You have a game that means absolutely nothing, uh, and and we're all. I think a lot of a lot of we were all kind of disappointed the fact that you know he wasn't going to go out with a bang with a, a you know a potential runner to championship. But the way it played out, it, you know, he got the moment that really encapsulated everything about his career. And that wouldn't have happened if they were in some kind of a, a deeper run. Like it would have been probably a very different moment. But another game that meant absolutely nothing but had playoff vibes, I remember, was the final game at Old Yankee Stadium in 2008. Yeah. That's what so, happens when you have a good, uh, good history, man. When you have some good, you have players that are, that are uh, just historical type players. You get those moments at the end. Do you know what uh, someone brought up the other day? And I never thought of it. But if Derek Jeter doesn't break his ankle in the 2012 playoffs, do you think he plays a few more years than what he ended up doing, which is an injured 2013 and then coming back for just one final final hurrah in 2014? He, he knew that was his last year. He didn't want to go out injured, basically, is why he played in 2014. But 2012, he hit 316. <laughs> you could argue that maybe 2013 would have been his last year, actually. Because if you come back fully healthy, ready to go after... Uh, a 2012, like, you know, maybe he, maybe he had plans to ride out and, but played that extra year because he didn't want to end it in the way that, that he did, you know, coming off of an injury, doing those things. So there could be an argument the other way, actually, too, that maybe he wouldn't have played, uh, but he wanted to go out the way he wanted to go out rather than having any kind of an injury dictate his exit. Yeah. So, that, well, that's exactly why uh, Mariano didn't go out. That's why he right. rehabbed oh, yeah. just to come back. For sure. Because you play that long, you do. You have that many, that many accomplishments in your career. You want to end it on your terms. Like that doesn't. That's going to sit with you for the rest of your life. You're still a relatively young man compared to you know hopefully how long you're going to live. And and that's, that's a, that's a big that's a big deal. Like that's that's your life's work. The next one is 2009 ALDS Game Two Twins at Yankees, and this was A Rod's postseason where he just went nuts. Set a record for postseason RBIs. He t- he tied the game in the ninth inning of this game with a two-run homer off of Joe Nathan, and then Mark Teixeira won it with a bullet line drive down the left field line to uh, to win it in extra innings. Do you remember in this game the Twins absolutely getting screwed? <laughs> Tell <laughs> you know me what I'm talking it. about. Tell me about it. Extra innings, they have the bases loaded, and Joe Maurer hits a bloop down the, the third baseline. It yes. lands fair. Right. Like, not just barely. Fair. Like, clearly fair. Not even, like, a no question about replay. it. No instant, no instant replay. No instant replay, but the umpire called it foul. Yeah. And you have extra umpires. Was it Rich Garcia by any chance? <laughs> I don't know. You have extra umpires there for a reason, but this one just had his thumb up his ass and missed the call. That would have been a, a two-run two in extra innings. Yeah, that's a big deal. Would have been a big deal. <laughs> I think that was, uh, you know, just the fact that you're at Yankee Stadium. And who knows? Could have been a crowd effect. Could have been some some guy yelling at the umpire, getting in his ear a little bit too much, uh, took his concentration off, got in his head, saw the ball differently. You know, maybe he saw the ball <laughs> saw a little differently, differently for, 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 for good reason. There was some A-plus heckling going on there. That some did dust got strike. in his eye at just the right moment, and he, and he yeah, blinked yeah, and he, missed it. Didn't want a horse head laying on his uh, front steps or in his bed. Did the right thing. The, the, the crowd worked. That's what I love about going to a game in the Bronx. You never Just know what's going to be said. Further proof the Twins will never beat the Yankees in the playoffs. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's such a bad history for them. It really is. Uh, the next one's also from the 9 run, and this was one that Nick Kirby reminded me about. So World Series Game 3, Yankees at Phillies. This was a vintage Pettit game. It was a back-and-forth game. Pettit had an RBI single in this. Um, 
A-Rod hits a home run off of a camera down the right field line. I don't Didn't know if you have a go, Wasn't it a go-ahead single? Was it a go-ahead single? It, it, was, a big, it was a big hit because the yeah. game was back and forth. So I forget exactly if it was go-ahead or game-tying. or, or Either way, huge hit. Uh, and Pettit's obviously not exactly a hitter. But um, this was, you can argue, a turning point in the series. I still think the turning point in the series happened the next night when A-Rod, when Johnny Damon did the double steal and A-Rod hit the go-ahead double off of Brad Lidge. Yep. Either way, those two games, definitely the turning point in the World Series. But I, I kind of forgot about this game, honestly, I, partially because I was just drinking the entire 2009 playoff run. It was the first playoff run that I was in I was really in college for and the first deep playoff run I was in college for and just was like all right I'm getting drunk every night now yeah 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 I mean that happened to me uh you know a decade earlier but the um this one it was uh it was a game tying home run I'm sorry game tying hit by Andy Pettit and then uh Matsui pinch hit home run and then Swisher also went deep in that game and the Yankees won eight to five but yeah Pettit had a big Big part of that, obviously, where he fanned seven and got an RBI hit to tie the game. Like that's a big deal. You go down, down the, uh, you know, into into Philly, um, into enemy territory. You got batteries flying by your head. All these things happening uh, down there, and and he comes up and was was nails. He's so good in the playoffs, <clears throat> so good. The next one, it's kind of a throwback from August sixth, nineteen seventy nine. This is another emotional one. So Munson funeral game. Orioles at Yankees. Munson dies in the plane accident, and Steinbrenner and the entire team insist they're going to go to the funeral in Ohio. The commissioner at the time said, if you're not back for the game, you have to forfeit. And the team basically gave him the middle finger and said, fine, we don't care. We're going to the damn funeral. This was our captain. They get back for the game, and they're playing like dog crap. They're losing the game 4 nothing in the sixth inning. And then Bobby Mercer puts the team on his back, and they come back and win the game. I, I'm, about, I'm about to go watch this game right now. Yeah, seriously. Like I've never seen you the game. Me, you just you just got me hyped up for this thing. Like this is why people run through walls for George Steinbrenner. Like <laughs> you're going there. He has moments where you know the loyalty. Yes, well he it's also dismissive at times. <laughs> Usually it comes back. But when you have like un unequivocal loyalty to a guy like that who is your your rock. Um, and, and you're, you're, you're just defying authority. Who's telling you, you can't do something. And you're like, who, the, who the F are you? Like, this is, this is how we do things. We will be going to this game. Uh, but also yeah. like, uh, any team would go to their players funeral. Like, w- like, I feel like today now major league baseball would reschedule that game today. They would definitely, there's no doubt, but back then was a different time. Like, yeah. There, you know, it takes it takes a day for it to get into the paper for people to even hear about what happened, and then who knows what's actually written. But uh, I did not know. I knew obviously that Munson died. I didn't know the details of this game. But yeah, this is a game that I would definitely like to see. This is just one of those things where sports has a special sports has the special ability to do to have crazy things happen at just the right emotional time. Where the Yankees coming back and winning that game is not going to solve the pain of Thurman Munson's death. But right. for that hour, it gives you that like elation. It, ma- it masks. Yeah. Where it, you it can feel something. good for a little while. Right. It's a dis- you're right. It's a distraction. It's I mean, we saw that in 2001 with the uh, you know, with the World Series that that was supposed to go a different way, but for a long time it was the only thing that was keeping everybody positive or distracted from, you know, the realities of situation of life. Um, and I think that's also kind of what's making like this whole situation that's happening now to, to put it full circle is like, you know, that the sports aren't there right now. And, and we don't have that distraction, which is, you know, in, in times that are, that are off. I mean, you, a lot of times have that distraction and it's just not there, but when you have it, you go all in and the emotions before a, a game starts, like the, obviously the emotions are not about that game and particularly, all, you know, all about it, but your emotions are high anyway because of the surrounding circumstances. And when that happens and you have that, that like unbelievable joy of, of, a, of, a, of a, like a big win, like, you know, you just start bawling like a little school kid because you're, you can't control what's happening anymore because the emotions are so high. 
That's what sports yeah. does to you, man. That's why they're so great. Yeah. And that's the only one on the on the ten list that's uh, from from back in the day. But we got a, a couple of honorable mentions from from that era. The next one on the list, though, is the two thousand World Series Game One, Subway Series Mets at Yankees. And in doing the Clemens research, I sort of went back into the two thousand World Series and did some reading on it. This is a game the Yankees had no business winning. The Mets wasted so many opportunities in this game to take a one zero series lead, and there's no bigger opportunity wasted than the Todd Zeal. Timo Perez play where Zeal hits the ball off the very top of the wall. It somehow stays in the park. Perez is just dicking around around second base, not running hard. And then an unbelievable relay throw by Derek Jeter gets him at the plate. The Mets had a lead though, going into the ninth inning, Armando Benitez blows the save. Paul O'Neill had a phenomenal at bat in that inning. He had like a 10 pitch at bat off Armando Benitez to work a walk to start the rally. And then they end up winning. Some bad blood with Armando Benitez, too, mm-hmm. back when he was with uh, uh, Baltimore. So, uh, yeah, that was a sweet comeback. And it's a game the Mets should have won, and they didn't. And it was the first game of the series. And then Clemens comes out the next night, throws a bat, and throws a gem. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a good one. And it's fun. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, the article that was written, too. And Mike Wisdala, who's one of our writers and editors at Bronx Pinstripes, has a way with words. I love, I love uh, reading his stuff. But he said why it's rewatchable. 1996 was unexpected. 1998 was sweet. 1999 was the cherry on top. 2000 was the one they had to have. Um, and I assume that was him and not you. I don't no, know. That was me. Been, okay, it might have been you too. <laughs> you, you have a way with words yourself too. But uh, it, it feels like punny like he said, like his style too. I feel like you were channeling your inner Mike Wisdala. But it's true. You look at those You look at those moments. I could tell by the look on your face that you wrote it too while I was reading that. Um but you look at that those 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 times, and it's true. It's true though. The ninety six unexpected. Yes, ninety eight was 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 uh was just like amazing because it was that team, and then ninety nine like you you cover ninety eight, and then two thousand it's the Mets. Yeah. So forget about everything else. Yeah. You got to win this game. You yeah. got to win the series. The whole Have series. To. It was a five game series, but it was a close five game series. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's confusing you know, when you have notes from the editor, by the way, and you wrote it. I just want you to. Well, I, I wanted. Wanna, I want to make sure that that's clear. So the only part I also wrote is the why it's rewatchable because I, I wanted it to seem like it was coming from them, but I forgot to ask them to do that. So then I just did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. No. That's that's. It, it is a good way to put it, though, because that is. Uh, it's pretty accurate. You know, you can't lose that series. You just can't. Not in New York. The, uh, the next one is a game that I picked, and it is 1996 World Series Game 4, Yankees at Braves. And I picked this game because it turned that 96 series, which we just said was unexpected, from, okay, we're probably going to get gentlemen swept by the Braves in five games, to, oh my God, it's a tie series, we can win this thing. They were down six zip in that game. Six zip in the sixth inning, and they come back. With three in the sixth, three in the eighth. Obviously, Jim Larratt's three-run home run to tie the thing. Wade Boggs works a walk in extra innings to get, take the lead. They tie the series. They stun the Braves. And then the next night, Andy Pettit comes out, pitches the game of his life. And then it's on. It's history from there. But this game really was like the turning. You could argue this game, This is the turning point of the Yankees' 90s dynasty. Is that night? Yeah. I mean, not... I, I don't even I don't know if turning points the right words. It was it was almost like the start because that's it had to get kicked off and like that yeah. was the moment. It was like the pivotal moment where they did break out. So maybe turning point to for them to like to like really get, kick into gear. Um, yeah, they were done, dude. Like that was such a big game. You know, at, at some point um, they were they were so close to going down three, three games to one, one, three to one in that series they after were down losing three to one. two home games. At Yankee Stadium, going down there, they were it. It was do or die. Like they had to, they had to do the unimaginable. And that series, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look up as we're talking now how many, at, uh, how many pitches that at bat was. Because I remember that was like it was an insane the Larrett's at bat. Yeah, it was like a six or seven pitch at bat. I embedded the video in it. It wasn't. I thought it was also like a ten pitch at bat, yeah, but I, I think it was, it was a six pitch at bat. But do you, but Wollers took like a minute in between each pitch. Maybe that's it. It's a long. It was a long at bat. It was like a five minute six pitch at bat. 
Yeah. And, and it was Atlanta had that. some crazy like horn going off. Like the stadium had a horn going off in between every pitch. The drama in that at bat is off the charts. Yeah. And the, I mean, talk about cementing a legacy. Like there's a reason why Larris is still showing up at these events. Yeah. And it's because of what he did in this, in this year, you know, obviously 96 was a big year for him. And then that, whole I mean, Larris had a ton of big playoff moments for the, Oh, Yankees. for sure. The guy was nails too. Like he's one of those clutch guys that you, you, you can sit on. Uh, but this moment, like you don't get much bigger than this. Yeah. When you look back in Yankees history, like literally you can say that that's not a crazy statement. When you look back in Yankees history, that's one of the biggest home runs I was ever hit. And 96, they're the underdog. The Braves are a better team in 1996. The Braves should have won a hell of a lot more than they won. They were filthy. They went to four World Series and only won one of them. Yeah. And they were coming off the 95 win, World Series win in 95, and they were a juggernaut. And the Yankees were the underdog in 96. And that's why I would like to go back and not be eight years old and watch this game for the first time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was 16. So I'll go back and uh, I'm going to watch this again and uh, just try to remember it one time now. Because I don't remember the daily. I remember all the highlights, obviously, everything that happened. But why? I think you have a different res, uh, respect for it now, too. Now that you, uh, w- once you're a little bit older and you have more of an understanding of baseball and you've seen you know, as many games as we all have, you look back at some of these games when you're a kid and you're like, man, you have a different appreciation, I think, for some of the, some of the elements that happen in game that you don't pick up on at that point. All right. The last one on the list is, was written by Rich. It picked, picked by Rich. And I can't argue it's not the most rewatchable game in Yankees history. Maybe the most rewatchable game in baseball history. One of them. ALCS 2003 Game 7. Red Sox at Yankees. Obviously, everyone knows what happened in this game. Everything happened in this game. From Pedro versus Clemens to start for a Game 7 winner take all is epic. The Yankees fall down early. Jason Giambi keeps them alive with two solo home runs. And then Pedro is left out there in the eighth inning down up three runs. The Yankees are pretty much dead and buried. The Red Sox are finally going to beat them. And they somehow come back from the dead with an amazing rally in the eighth inning, of course, started by Derek Jeter. And that bloop by Jorge Posada, and he's screaming his ass off on second base, is an all-time Yankees moment. And then Rivera pitches three innings. He said he would have pitched until until he, he was carried off the mound. Boone wins it. Definitely the most rewatchable game in Yankees history. Just for being in that moment. And then, and thankfully, I was old enough in 2003 to like appreciate it. So I've talked about this game in the past, like where I, I had this. I was in college or just like getting out of college at that point. Drinking way too much. But I had like a we had we had a uh, like a championship flag football game, like fraternity league thing. So this, <laughs> we we had someone. um there wasn't like the, you couldn't, you didn't get things ruined as easily because cell phones weren't a thing. Like not, not like a, there were flip phones, you know, back in the day. And, and, um, there were no flip phones and flip phones flip in phones? 2003. It was around that time. I remember getting my first one around that time, but, uh, they, had, you know, maybe it was like a star tech, Motorola star tech. The, but my, my girlfriend at the time was back at, at her uh, apartment recording the game for us on a VCR on a freaking tape uh, because my buddies and I that were, you know, in our fraternity and in this game, I, I was friends with a bunch of guys down there that were, uh, we had like two or three Red Sox fans from Boston. And then uh, a couple of my guys were, you know, from New York and we all ran back. We was like hustled back game over. Like we literally sprinted to the cars uh, and went over to, to the apartment to watch this game. And uh, I give her credit because the tape ran out. Yeah, Before, it's like a five-hour game or something. Yeah, tape ran out. Got another tape. Taped over something. I don't know what it would... But gives tape, a shit. Like, it's just one of those... Thinking about that and, like, understanding that that happened, I was like, damn, that, I give you a lot of credit for that. Because that would have... It would have gotten ugly if it didn't happen. If that yeah. didn't happen, there would have been some ugly things said. Um, but, yeah, I remember watching it with those guys and just rubbing it in their face. It was great. Because I watched it like it was live. I had no idea what was going on. So I was essentially watching it for the first time, not knowing anything. And it was a, a beautiful moment. Because I'm sitting there with two of like my be- like two of my best friends who are diehard, diehard Red Sox fans. And it was a beautiful, perfect moment. So I loved every second of it. So what should have tipped you off that the Yankees were going to come back was the length of the tape. We speculated. We speculated a lot of that <laughs> stuff. At some point, we did have to fast forward because we realized 
that that was happening. So we we're like, okay, we know how long this game is. So we didn't. Yeah, watch, you're like, like the it's first... five. It's five nothing Red Sox, but this is a four hour game. So something's up here. Like, right. let's let's go. <laughs> like, there's no possible way we could have sat through that entire thing in real time. Yeah. So we were definitely fast forwarding, like looking to see what happens, and then we would stop if we saw something like about to happen and then we let it play out at the end but um yeah i'll never forget that i'll definitely never forget that because of the circumstances and just like what the you know the the efforts that we went through to watch that game uh was pretty unbelievable so yeah amazing and i know the yankees lost to the marlins that year but that felt like the world series it did it felt like the world series you think back on that and people will definitely forget that the marlins ever won the world series that year (laughs) because that's the game people remember yeah, it's. Uh, I think. It, I think no argument for me, even though I didn't write about it. No argument for me. That's the most rewatchable uh, game in Yankees history. All right, so let's get to some honorable mentions. The um, the first one. This is a this is a pick by you. So why don't you go through it? Oh boy, Here April twenty ninth. I'll set it up for you. April twenty ninth, two thousand seventeen. Orioles at Yankees. An early two thousand seventeen regular season game. Why is this so important to you? Yeah, this is one of those. This is one of those times in 2017. We're not expecting anything, right? This was the year that we were not expecting the kids to come up. We were not expecting any of this uh, the, the the postseason run to happen. We had some some weird guys on the Yankees. Like there there were some veterans that were there. Chase Headley was there. Um, we had uh, Matt Holliday, Jacoby Ellsbury. Like back when we thought maybe he was good, he there had a was huge a, home run in this game. He had a huge home run in this game. Matt <laughs> Holliday, he had a huge home run in this game. There were some big home runs. It was a what well, eight run comeback against the Orioles. It was an April 29th game. Uh, had an outstanding. Speaking of um, segues from being recording on a cassette, Sterling's call after Matt Holiday clinched uh, hit a three run home run to clinch the win. It was that's the kind of game you put on cassette. Sterling's bellowed after Holiday belted a three run home run to clinch the win, or a DVD, or a CD, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> It's just a great, it's a great Sterling. I love call. how he goes from cassette to DVD to, yeah. to CD. It's like, no, there can't be anything more high tech than CD, right? Like that's the biggest you can go. Well, the funny thing is, is that a DVD and a CD, one is for music, one is for, they're yeah. both the same thing. Semantics. They're both a disc, but um, yeah, no, it's a, it's just a perfect, a perfect Sterling call. But yeah, that was, it was one of those moments that you're like, okay, this team doesn't quit. Like this team was showing really early signs yes. of a veteran team that doesn't quit. I vividly like, remember talking to you after like the week we recorded or the next episode we recorded after this was like, hey, there's something with this team. They had a couple walk-offs at that point too. And it was early and it was a weird, I remember that that April was like extremely cold or there was, it was uh, things happening early in the season that just felt weird. Like they got off to a bad start um, and then it was, you know, you have games games like this where they just don't give up, and like at some point, Starling Castro goes down to one knee on that game. Iconic like that photo that year. That Hell was yeah. a, that was one of the best photos from 2017. Is Castro on one knee as the ball is midair to tie the game? Yes, I love. See that that was one of the things that got me in love with Starling Castro. I love, I loved his uh, just the exuberance that he had about the game. He was so much fun to watch. Like, kind of mad still kind of mad that he left this team until he until he had to play defense that's fine you know what sometimes <laughs> people kidding. are great uh, i don't want he to was, shit on starlin yeah starlin castro was was phenomenal plus he was the first guy i ever interviewed with a with an actual microphone plus he was a game. real baseball player and not steven drew that is true he was not steven drew <laughs> um so he was a guy that we also got excited about. but yeah that game itself like it was just so much fun to watch like you had that it was such a big comeback against the orioles who suck and uh their pitching is just so awful it's been awful. Well, they since. were decent in 2000. They were okay. I know they yeah. didn't play well, but in 2017, they were in the wild card game in 2016. Right. Their pitching has never so, been great. No, I know, but they weren't. They were supposed to be an okay team in 2017. Yes, and we so got, coming back from eight runs down against the Orioles now is like okay, fine. You beat. Why did a, we give up eight runs against the, <laughs> you to the beat Orioles? You beat a JV team, like <laughs> yeah. Why did we wait this long to come back? Glaber, hey, go up, hit your three-run home run. Yeah. So it's just uh, it's one of the more recent ones that was uh, was fun. And you see the names in that game, and you're like, what? That was only two and a half years ago, three I know. years ago? Big, big shift from then. The next one on the list, October, on the honorable mentions, October 10th, 2012, ALDS Game 3, Orioles at Yankees. Raul, so cool. He pinch hits for Alex Rodriguez in the ninth inning. 
ties it with a solo home run. And then in the in the in extra innings, wins it with a solo home run. This, I'll never forget seeing A Rod's <laughs> face when, when when we saw Raul come up. I was like, oh my he, god. He, you could tell he was faking excitement so bad. Yeah. It's like faking drinking his Presidente beer. You can see right through it. This is this was a weird series though, because for whatever reason, the home team in the ALDS got the final three games this year, that year. So the Orioles were the away team, but they got the first two games at or at Camden Yards. And then the Yankees played the final three games at Yankee Stadium. I forget why they did that. But this game allowed the Yankees to take a 2-1 series lead, and they ended up winning it in five games. CC pitches an unbelievable uh, fifth game to a complete game to seal it. I watched this game on my phone while I was in Barcelona. It was like 4 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. And I was at a bar, and I was watching a fuzzy picture on my phone back on MLB TV or whatever the hell I was streaming it on back then in yeah. uh, 2012. No, it's great. The, the, the links that we go to to watch these games, talk about, like, obsession. <laughs> it's pretty crazy how... I was watching on a work phone. Otherwise, I never would have been... I would have been, like, a $1,000 str- like data bill. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I was like, all right, screw it. It's a work phone. They'll pay for it. I'm here for work. And he had, I mean, the moments that that uh, that Raul had were just so unbelievable. And I, I love, I love hearing Susan Waldman talking about him too because she she gets like, I feel like she gets like all sensual with the you calls. Think she, too. Think she, she, little, she thinks she had a little. She thinks she had a little something something for she Raul. She gets a little. She gets a little. Uh, she gets a little freaky. I think when she starts talking about him, and and uh, you know, there, there's there's definitely like a, a different tone there, which uh, which which I think is entertaining. So he was just so good. He went on that, you know. The streak, he was hitting so many freaking home runs. Like, the guy was nails uh, at that point. So, fun fun game. Next one, July 1st, 2004, Red Sox at Yankees. The dive game. Derek Jeter dives into the stands. This was a regular season game that had everything you could possibly imagine. This is when the rivalry was at its height. Every game against the Red Sox was do or die, life or death. It did not matter that it was July 1st. You treated it like it was October 10th. That's how you treated every game Yankees Red Sox back then. Yeah, because at that point, Yankees are still trying to hold them away from a championship, and you know we're able to chant in the in the stands. We're able to to lay it on thick to the fans of the Red Sox, and that's why the rivalry is so good. It's because we were able to talk so much shit and just had they had nothing to say, and then that that year changed everything. Unfortunately, it changed the entire rivalry. Pretty much ruined the rivalry. Yeah, in all honesty, it did because they had it now, ended. It, it honestly ended. They because t- they had a taste. Once they got a taste of winning, then it was over. There, the bitterness, the the um, exactly the hate was was just not there as much anymore. And the big was, the big brother little brother thing goes out the window once the Red Sox win. Yes, it did. It, it did, and maybe not just after two thousand four. But, you know, when they started winning, you know, more frequently, then it really became just a... Do you a, think it would have gone out the window game. had they won the World Series, but it was not going through the Yankees? Like, if they win the World Series in 2004, but the Yankees are not in the ALCS that year. Do you think, do you think the rivalry is in a better place? Uh, uh, probably. I, think, I still think, yeah. So, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You're saying that the fact that um, they, they pretty much... For, in their eyes, they conquered, they, they conquered all of their demons. Yes, they got the demons out of the way, and they and they they exercised their demons. But had yeah. they not beaten the Yankees, we could have still held it over their head. Hey, sure. you won, but you didn't beat us. Right. Yes, that could have been a thing for sure, but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, this game started with Pedro Martinez versus Brad Halsey. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, because that's what the Yankees pitching staff in 2004 was. That was the state of the Yankees pitching staff. I can't believe they didn't win. <laughs> Jeter saves the game in the 12th inning and the Yankees come back from down a run in the 13th to win it. John Flaherty with the game-winning hit in that game. There you go, Flash. Show that stick. Two games I'm lumping together. They're deja vu all over again. October 31st and November 1st of 2001, World Series games four and five. D-backs at Yankees. Mr. November, Scott Brocious, Tino Martinez, these are two of the craziest games in Yankees history. I don't care that they didn't win that World Series. Those two comebacks down to your last out 
you're not hitting anything. Zero, zero hits. You can't hit in that series. Doesn't matter. You get one base runner. Someone's going to hit a two-run home run because they were never going to lose at home in 2001. That's the thing. Like there, you talk about the you mentioned earlier about the uh, the ghosts of uh, the Yankees legends that that come in and, and haunt the other team and lift up the the boys in the pinstripes. Like that's you don't get any more you don't get any more uh, proof than than what happened right there. And and that year, as we mentioned, is just one of those like insanely emotional, gut wrenching years where everything around you is, is just weird and like uncertain and you don't know what's happening because of the September 11th attacks. Like your whole, the whole, the whole, it was just the, the time was crushed. Like every, it was such a, such a uh, horrible time that baseball was the only thing, especially in New York, you had the New York Yankees going out there. Like everybody was rooting for the Yankees then Mets fans rooting for the Yankees freaking like everybody was rooting for the Yankees. Everyone except Arizona fans. Yes, it's true. Like <laughs> the only was... time it's ever going to happen was that year. Exactly. Because at that point in 2001, it was, it was all about the USA. It was all about the USA. You saw, well, do you remember the, the NY had the, the yeah, they uh, red, had white the... and blue stars. Yes. I remember that. It wasn't the white and why well, they, they were the, uh, the F the F, uh, the FDNY. Okay. So maybe it wasn't well. the hat, but it was the paint, maybe the paint on the field. Yeah, I don't know. There, I know they wore the the fire department hats in some of those games too. But the um, th- there was just so many things that happening. Like Bush goes out there, throws the first pitch, one of the best first pitch you'll ever see. Uh, from His best moment as president, probably. Yeah, it was. It was not to get political, but it was a damn good moment. Um, and it didn't matter at that moment either. Like everybody's just like, let's go, you know. And, and getting behind the Yankees and. Um, yeah, you know, some weird thing happened with an infield in in uh, when they were in Arizona, and. You know, the little Mariano people. doesn't uh, it throws it into center field and some weird stuff happened. Yeah. Freaking Luis Gonzalez. <clears throat> Another one from the 2001 playoffs, October 13th, Yankees at athletics for ALDS game three, the flip play. Yankees are down 0-2 in the series, but they have a 1-0 lead in the seventh inning with Mike Messina on the mound. Jeter saves the game with an unbelievable flip. We call this the number one play of his career. In our, in our countdown on Jeter episodes, and I stand by it. I still watch that play and get chills. It boggles the mind. It makes no sense, but that's Derek Jeter in a nutshell. Yeah, and you, you look at this this game, and the reason we had it number one was obviously the play was phenomenal. The, the instincts were unbelievable. The fact that they practiced that is such unbelievable preparation. And I do believe it because that is a thing, the way that they, you know, do like a, a wheel route for everybody to kind of back up somebody else and just be in the right circumstances. Like that stuff is how, you know, you're, you have a team that's fully prepared. It's just like unbelievable preparation. But the moment in that game when they were down 0-2 in the series, the five game series, yeah. down, uh, down 0-2 um, and uh and they were up one one nothing in the seventh inning, and that could have been that would have been the tying run. Who knows what happens then? Yankees very well could have lost that game, not advanced uh, from 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 that series. And it was such a moment that, yeah, it, it held that series in check. It held that game in check, which held the series in check, obviously, because they were still alive. And um, you just don't see moments like that with crazy plays like that that are so impactful on on a definitive uh, do or die situation in the playoffs. Just yeah, don't they, see it as much. They had to go – they were down 0-2, but they were Go then to going to Oakland. Yeah. So I mean, we saw the Yankees come back against Cleveland a couple of years ago, but they had two games at home first. And then once you win two games and it's a game five, whatever happens, happens. But um, to, to win those two games in Oakland was huge. And the last honorable mention is from uh, October 2nd, 1978, the division tiebreaker for the AL East between the Yankees and the Red Sox, Bucky F. and Dent. My dad has said this is one of the most memorable games he ever has seen. Yankees come back from 14 behind in the division in July. That's crazy. To tie the Red Sox and force a one-game playoff at Fenway. They're down two zip in the seventh inning, and Bucky Dent, who is a singles hitter, hits a go-ahead three-run home run. So, yeah, you see, I mean, we talk about having – you know, some of the, the biggest boon being the, the, the most rewatchable, the biggest, I think a lot of that goes era by era. Like you can, you could certainly, it's up there for sure. You know, if anybody's being honest with themselves, but the emotions to when you were 
watching these games, you know, in those different eras. And when you're older and you watch certain games, it just, they play differently in your mind and in your heart, I think. And, uh, you know, probably the, the guys who lived through this game or, you know, were in their thirties or twenties or whatever the age you are at that point are, are, are very fondly remember this game too. So, um, yeah, obviously before our time, but when you look at the circumstances and the fact that they came back from 14 games, which is ridiculous, uh, in July, uh, against Boston too, no doubt. Like that's, that's a, that's one of those, that's, that's exactly why the Red Sox fans are so jaded because moments like that, because you, you have a 14 game division, 14 league. game division. And then you have Bucky F and Dent who not the guy that you expect to be hitting anything, yeah. you know, goes yard on you and, uh, and ruins your life. Those are great moments for Yankees fans. You just crush the guy again. And it's Love so it. crazy to like, look back at the highlight and you're like, Oh, this is a, this is a essentially a do or die playoff game, right? Oh, it's the afternoon because that's what they did back then. They just would start it at one o'clock. So might, might be uh, what we're looking at soon. If they get on the field at some point, we're do a lot more day games. But yeah, I mean, Aaron Bleepin' Boone. I mean, you get a you get a nickname that comes. You see that moment comes from this moment. Like it was like the part two of this moment, which is so wild. So that that's really all the ones that we came up with. I'm sure there's a ton that we missed. We got some suggestions from Twitter. Paul Middlecoff says one of honestly the weirder suggestions. I'm going to be an outlier here, but I'd pick game 162 of 2011. Knowing that the Yankees' playoff appearance was secure and watching the Red Sox complete their collapse of 9.5 games in September. Sox going into a rain delay while the Yankees go into extras and Evan Longoria walks them off. So the Yankees lose, but he wants to rewatch that to, to just relive the Red Sox misery, I guess. <laughs> you know what? I think I talked myself into this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm surprised you don't get this. Uh, I think more for him, it was probably just like that moment like of him doing it. So maybe a little bit of a, uh, a confusing question in the first place. If I can but, lump, if I can have two screens going and I can yeah. watch with a Red Sox fan right. and watch the Yankees game That's and the Red Sox one. team sim- sim- simultaneously, then maybe right. I'll pick it. Because that was an epic collapse. It was a great collapse. Yeah. There was a... Uh, I Nine remember- and a half game in September. I remember making one of my first graphics ever. Like this is when I was learning Photoshop, like putting out, pumping out uh, NYY universe graphics. And it, it was a collapse graphic with the two Red Sox uh, socks as, as the L's, L's and the, uh, the Atlanta Braves who also had an epic collapse that year as the A, the, uh, the Atlanta Braves. Um, oh, look at so you there. getting negative. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out. I had to, you got you to look at some of these guys and, uh, and, and take advantage of their misery. It was a great day. Steve Leonard said A-Rod's 2009 walk-off in the bottom of the 15th against Boston. This was a regular season game. Um, I do remember watching the game, but they had so many walk-offs in 2009. They had like eight or ten walk-offs in 2009, it felt like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't specifically remember that game, but um, I'm sure it was a great moment if the uh, Yankees walked off the Red Sox. The number one response we got was 03, Game 7. As expected. Of course. Yeah. Because that one's definitely in the... And it's been replayed so many times so that even even if you weren't... Even if uh, you have a younger crowd that was not you know, watching that game live, the fact that Boone is now our manager and, and they've replayed that a thousand times on the S Network and every other channel. So it's, it's fresh in people's memories. Yeah. But that's it. That's the list. Hope you guys enjoyed the, the rundown that we put together. And um, stay tuned for I got a history episode coming up on Friday. Yes, sir. I'm not going to forward to this one. I'm not going to spoil the topic yet, but it's going to be a good one. Can I give a hint? Sure. Okay. I think it was the last article that I wrote on Bronx Pinstripes <laughs> was something about this. Okay. It was so similar. If you want to so go really, back, no one's, no one's getting that hint. If you want to go <laughs> into the archives on BronxPinstripes.com and find what Scott wrote about probably yeah. seven years ago. It was a while ago. Then uh, you might get a hint on, on what's going to be coming up on A Brief History on Friday. And then our normal show next Monday. Submit your mailbag questions. Tweet us your questions at Yankees Podcast. You can go to BronxPinstripes.com slash podcast and email and all that kind of good stuff. Scott. Anything else you want to add to this? No, this was fun. Just had uh, it's it's fun reminiscing about these things because that's what we got right now. We're, we're we're holding on to the memories, man. It's all about the memories and looking at some of these great moments. So hope everybody's uh, having fun watching some old games and uh, getting their fill of baseball while we're waiting patiently, patiently, very patiently 
Old so games patient. aren't as good as new games, though. I'm so patient. <laughs> so patient with this whole thing. It's awesome. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. Later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.